It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Many people spend their working years looking forward to the time when they can retire. But when that time comes, leaving a steady income and the identity a job provides can be scary. How does a person know if he or she is ready or even wants to retire? Today's guest, Steve Lopez, a longtime columnist for the Los Angeles Times, faces the same question. As the end of his work life nears, Steve wonders what it might be like to live without deadlines and work responsibilities. Grappling with his own decision, he used his reporter skills to collect a variety of perspectives on retirement. Steve writes about what he learned in his latest book, Independence Day, what I learned about retirement from some who've done it and some who never will. Welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this chat. So, Steve, you have had an amazing career, and you say now that, you know, the end of your work life is getting closer. What goes through your mind when you think about retiring? Well, uh, the first one is a little bit of panic, all right? I will admit to you that it's um, it's it's kind of uh, terrifying because I've done what I do for 50 years, and I've, I've felt really, really lucky to be able to do it. I mean, I get to parachute into people's lives and learn something about them and, you know, often learn something about myself in doing interviews. I'm kind of a generalist as a newspaper columnist, sort of an old-fashioned metro columnist, you know, pounding the pavement and knocking on doors and um, trying to, you know, shine a light on the issues of the day. And it's almost like a continuing education. It's like I've been in graduate school for 50 years. I really, really, really enjoy that. But um, like a lot of people my age, and I'm, you know, I'm closing in on 70, it's like, okay, um, should I maybe consider doing something else in what time I have left? Um, and who knows how much time I have left. But I started to think about how my health concerns are the same ones that my parents had at the same, you know, the same months on the calendar in the same years, like joint disease and heart disease. And I worried about becoming one of those people who retires and then is too um, hobbled to enjoy the things that, uh, you know, they wanted to do. So um, I, I was so conflicted. And I thought, as you just suggested, uh, who will I be? I mean, right now, my identity is caught up so much in the work that I do. And can I create a new one? Can I find purpose? Can I find passion? And those are some questions that I don't quite have answers to. Um, and I wasn't quite ready to jump out of that plane without knowing where I might land. It sounds like what you've been doing is more something that brings you joy than work. When, when I think of my parents, my, my dad in particular, you know, he had a job that was a job. He went and he did the grind and he did it to support his family. And I don't think he particularly really liked what he was doing. When I look at my life, when I think about retirement, my first thought is, you know, what the heck happened? How did I get here? Because I love everything that I'm doing. So do you think that 
people today are looking at their jobs as less of a job and more of something that brings them joy? Well, I think there's a broad range um, of experiences. And there are, you know, in my in my reporting on this book, I interviewed people who are can't wait to retire. And those are people who have jobs that they're, that just as you said, or are, are maybe they're not fulfilling or maybe they're monotonous. I mean, Mel Brooks is one of the guys in the book who, who is still working in his 90s. And he said, hey, I'm not working at a coal mine here. You know, this is not heavy lifting. I carry a pencil and a piece of paper to jot down my thoughts on the next, uh, you know, TV show or movie or joke or whatever it is. So it's a different experience out there. But for people who Maybe a nurse, let's say, maybe a teacher who their identity is caught up a lot in, in, in that. And so a lot of them have wrestled with if they leave that behind. Um, and even those who are doing jobs that they, they look forward to clocking out of, what's next? What's chapter two? And what things do you need to consider? I, I, I ended up finding that my interviews uh, provided something of a roadmap for me about what questions to ask. And what second chapters to consider, and I hope that the book works that way for other people. Um, The best advice, I think, came from Nancy Schlossberg in Florida, who's in her 90s. And she said, as human beings, we all have this instinct, this basic instinct to, to matter. And you may matter to the dog who needs to be walked or to the grandchild who needs some um, orthodonture, or to the nonprofit that you're serving either as a mentor or you're on the board or you're making donations. But we need to build, if we want happiness in the next life, we need to build some, some sense of purpose and passion and find a way to matter. And um, I, I don't know yet that I have all of the ways in which I might matter. And it's one reason I didn't um, take that full leap. Um, I've, I've worked out in the end on the advice of, among others, Mel Brooks. Well, if you like what you do, but you want to try other things, why not develop a hybrid plan? And we're in a time right now when a lot of people are doing that, when there's, there are new options for you know telecommuting or flex time or part-time work, especially in this volatile economy. So a lot of people are redefining retirement and figuring out what works best for them. And I'm still trying to do that same thing. Well, and I think the hybrid approach makes so much sense, especially for someone like you who, you know, you can freelance or you could take assignments when you want and then be free when you'd like, because we're living so much longer. When I look at people like like a Paul McCartney, who's still on tour at age 80, when you see the possibilities of what we can achieve later in life, that old notion of retirement, it really is so much different now. It sure is. And uh, boy, you mentioned Paul McCartney. Now, one of the things that I always wanted, so I had to make my list, right? If I do retire, what am I going to do with that time? One of the things was travel more than I do. Um, Another thing was um, to pursue uh, language. I'm, you know, uh, I'm conversant in Spanish, but not fluent. Um, I wanted to, uh, you know, I I want to learn how to cook better than I do and play the guitar better than I do. So I've been I got good advice from Rabbi um, Naomi Levy in Los Angeles, who said it's good to sample the dream before you before you make that big leap. Make sure that you really might find fulfillment in those those things that you want to try. So carve out some time while you're still working, whether it's on weekends or a sabbatical, to make sure that you really want to learn how to fly an airplane, um, because that might not be your thing. We talked about loss of identity and the concern about what's next. And obviously, financial concerns today are an issue. What are some of the other fears that people you spoke with conveyed to you? 
Well, people do fear that um, the, the financial one is a big one. And, and because there are so many books out there on how to prepare financially for retirement, and because I know nothing about money, <clears throat> I thought, let me just do the spiritual side. And so on the spiritual side, you have people who, who fear that they're going to lose a social network that is sustaining um, and, and, and to lose that um, by walking away from your job is, is something that people really need to consider. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned Nancy in Florida. She's a good example of um, she, she walked away from a job as a professor um, at the University of Maryland after a long career. Um, and she had taught about transitions and she was a psychologist and thought she'd be able to handle this. But she got into retirement, moved to Florida, which had been sort of a vacation destination. She lost her husband. She lost that social network that she'd had through her colleagues um, while she was teaching. And she said she really struggled to figure out who she was. And I, I think a lot of people recognize that that's going to be a challenge. And, um, you know, Nancy does a good job of advising that you need to um, – it, it's good to put a lot of thought into who you're going to be and what you're going to do but also to be reminded that retirement is a lot like pre-retirement. Things come at you that you don't expect. It's a roller coaster still. You're going to have, you know, great days. You're going to suffer loss. You're going to have disappointment. And you need to embrace ambiguity. Um, you need to expect that the unexpected will happen. Um, she didn't expect to lose her husband, but she did. She didn't expect to find another relationship, but she did. She didn't expect to lose him as well, but she did. And when I was talking to her on the phone, um, she got beeped and had to take the call because it was her boyfriend. Now, Nancy, in her 90s, did not expect any of this, but she's embraced ambiguity. And I think that um, people will um, not be as fearful in retirement if they just accept going in that um, it's not going to be a it's not going to be a, a necessarily a pleasant cruise. Um, there's going to be a lot coming at you, and you're still going to have to make some tough decisions. The social isolation that you just spoke about, I wish I could remember the quote that was given to me, but it was something like, being socially isolated is the equivalent of smoking, I think it was 15 cigarettes a day, something like that. It, it, it's really detrimental to our health. Well, you know, there. Are, um, I did reach out to the residents of a retirement community in California for my book. Um, and I, I got a lot of pen pals there. And there's the full range on the happiness scale from elated and wish I'd done it sooner to I'll never do it. And you have people there who um, are really struggling with things didn't work out. The, you know, you, the, the plans have gone awry. You thought you were going to travel more, but you're, um, you, you had to spend a lot of money to help a child or a grandchild. Um, someone got sick. Uh, the roof blew off the house. Um, and there are people who end up in retirement isolated, as you say, and depressed. I mean, I, I, I was in contact with people for whom retirement um, is, is a real struggle emotionally. And, um, you know, their mental health has suffered. Um, and that is, um, you know, that's that's something that 
you just we don't we just don't know. I mean, I I, I really fear that um, you know I I think so much about my own health in retirement, but what about others? I mean, I may finally retire and be healthy enough to enjoy some of the things that I wanted to enjoy, but I've got a lot of people in my life, and if their health doesn't hold up then that will become my life, taking care of them. And I may feel isolated from my new friends and from my new activities and purpose. And uh, yeah, retirement is not necessarily going to be easy. As my mother used to say, um, the golden years are not necessarily so golden. At first, retirement was 62, then 65, then 68. Do you think we're going to keep pushing that number back? I think it's going to change in, in that way and in more more ways. Um, now, I'm almost 70. I uh, just turned 69. And when the pandemic hit, um, my office was shut down and it's still not reopened. Um, and so I and others, um, you know, essentially work from home. I mean, I'm a, I'm a reporting columnist, so I'm out a lot on the streets, um, but I essentially write at home. And that makes it a little bit easier, and if, especially if you're in a place with a lot of traffic like New York City or Chicago or L.A., if you don't have to uh, commute to an office, then maybe you're not going to be so inclined to give it up. I think that people will, you know, the, the, the 65 retirement with the fountain pen and the gold watch after 35 years at the same place, I think that's over for the most part. The economy is much more um, volatile and diverse. It's, it's just ever-changing. And people move around a lot more. And the young people who come to work now in the news industry are not necessarily committed to it for life like I was. So I think there's going to be a lot of change. We're in this great state of, of, of change right now as that, that boomer wave crests. There are 70 million boomers. There are 10,000 people a day turning 65 in the U.S. There are 50 million retirees with a bunch of people by the millions coming in behind them. And I think a lot of them are going to work deals like I've worked. I mean, I eventually went into my office and I said, look, I like what I do, but I don't want to do it as much. Um, can you let me uh, Can you let me stay on the books and, um, you know, still work, but have three months off so that I can try all these other things? I think you're going to see a lot more of that um, as, as more of those 70 million boomers, um, you know, uh, slide into retirement. Well, you mentioned the pandemic, and I think that may be one of the benefits that came out of the past few years. It's this work flexibility. I see my son, he is a vice president of design for a, a major magazine. And when the pandemic hit, everyone obviously worked from home, but they have not gone back to the office, which is located here on the East Coast. He now has designers across the country. And so there is that flexibility. And, and as time goes on, I, I think you're right. It's going to be a different workforce, which will then lead to a different retirement. Yeah. And, you know, also um, we had during the pandemic, people who left work were forced out of work, didn't necessarily want to go back. And when the economy picked up and employers needed somebody to fill those positions, well, who was available? Those, uh, those retirees who suddenly discovered that maybe they were still valued and could maybe work out deals with flex time and, you know, telecommuting. Um, it's, you know, you, you mentioned, um, it's well, another thing that I explored in this book is that the way your relationships change. And, and because of the pandemic, and because I was working at home, it meant I had a lot more time with my wife. And my wife is a freelance writer, so she works in our house. 
Um, now, we're in California, but we are not in a 14-room uh, Malibu beach compound. We're in a two-bedroom <laughs> two house. Mm-hmm. And we don't we don't really have a um, a legitimate office in the house. So you know, we, for for our 25 years together, I would get up and I would go to work and you know spend my days in an office. And then the pandemic hits, and I'm working at home, and we're bumping into each other. And I thought, you know, this wow, this is nice for me. I get to see more of my my wife. Um, <laughs> and she, you know, I said to her one day, um, you. We, it, it was a bit of an adjustment early on where she would say things to me like, are you going to be in this room much longer? <laughs> because I was going to take a phone call in here. So we got beyond that. And I thought we were cruising along. We were, you know, we were ready to, you know, we it, it was pretty smooth, I thought. And I said to her one day, you know, this pandemic is a preview of my retirement because I'm, I'm home a lot more and we're together more. And she said, if this is a preview, I do not want to see the movie. <laughs> she was, you know, she was joking a little bit, but it, there was a point behind it. And right. it was, look, I've got my life and I'm a little bit younger than you. I've got my work life. I've got my social life. And don't think that I'm necessarily going to be your, your, your everyday buddy got to rework these relationships our relationships with you know most of my friends are are people i i work with so when i'm no longer working are they still going to want to spend as much time with me and if not you know at 70 years old i have to go out and make new friends so (laughs) everything is going to change you and i were laughing about that but it is a very real consideration i i mean you have to think about what will happen when you're basically locked away with someone you really do need to have an escape plan Yes, and you know what? There's another, there was another factor in writing the book. Um, I mean, I have a son who's 42 living in Connecticut, but a daughter who's 19. Uh, and so that's a pretty big span, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, I remember, um, well, that's, that, that means that what that means is that I have always had um, my kids in the house in my adult life. My entire adult life, there were kids there because I had two generations of kids. Um, it was a second marriage. And um so my daughter, as I began writing this book, I mean, I gave myself one year to do all these interviews and to come up with a decision. And my daughter was in her last year of high school. And so what I was looking at was when I reached the end of that year, um, we were going to be empty nesters. And for me, it would be the first time I was an empty nester in my adult life. And I'm, I guess I discovered I'm a softie because... <laughs> I could not bear the thought of, of her, you know, moving out. And of course, that's why you, what you raise your, your, your kids to do is to become independent and self-sufficient and curious and to want to go out there and discover things. And they don't want to stay, you know, in the house with their parents forever. And that's, that's, that's great. But as an old softie, it was tough on me. And it was tough also to think about the possibility that in addition to that big void, I was on the precipice of deciding to retire, which would have created another huge void. So for me, the idea of the double void was so frightening that it, it kind of pushed me in the direction of holding on to kind of a hybrid plan at work because my daughter is, um, she's out of the house. And in fact, you know what I was just talking about, there's no office in my house. I'm, I'm speaking to you from her bedroom, which has become <laughs> my, temp- my temporary office because she's, She's gone at college, but, but those are, those are, that also is, you know, a a big adjustment. It's um, like when the kids are gone and you've got, 
the extra time that retirement gives you. What are you going to do? I mean, I and I, I really did wonder if I'm one of those people who, as Rabbi Naomi Levy said to me in the book, some people thrive on structure and they fall apart without it. And so don't um, don't idealize retirement as um, something that where you're just going to you're easily cruise through your days. If you are somebody who has 50 years of training around structure, you're going to have to rebuild your life. You're going to have to put, you know, the pieces. You're going to have to reassemble uh, who you are, and you need to you need to think about whether working and thinking about working is has become a part of your DNA. Is it oxygen? And if you stop breathing it, are you going to suffocate? Um, so. I, I ended up thinking longer and harder about all of these things than I imagined I would um, when I set out on that trail and, and was able to tap the wisdom of so many people on what this, this great major transition is about. And are you any closer to your decision? Yes, I, I at the end of my year, and you know what, I zigzagged. I, uh, there were times during the year when I was sure I was going to keep working, and there were times when I was sure I was going to quit. I had a friend, um, a friend died. Um, who is exactly my age. Um, there are three people in the book who are almost exactly my age. One is a priest who told me that, um, you know, he's a Jesuit and he finds uh, relevance, he finds purpose and passion in his work, and he thinks that I do too. And he said that he was going to retire in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And a winemaker um, in California, um, a very well-known winemaker who's my age, loves his work so much, said that he was going to die die in the vineyard. And I thought, you know what, that's probably me, too, because look how lucky I am. I'm interviewing these people. What the heck am I going to do in retirement that's better than that? But then halfway through the book, a friend who had been termed out as a Los Angeles councilman died unexpectedly. And uh, the, the early word was that he had died of cardiac arrest. And this is a man who, was, um, who just loved his, his, his job, um, you know, um, similar to the way that I love my job. And I had suffered cardiac arrest 10 years earlier. Um, I had to be resuscitated. It was during a knee replacement. Um, I, I, I flatlined. And, you know, I, I left the hospital with a pacemaker as well as a new knee. And when my friend Tom died, I thought, that's just a reminder. I mean, there's a, another reminder of our own mortality. And here's this guy who was freshly retired and ready to spend more time with his family and do all these other things. And he died. And I thought, that's it. I am out. I, I'm not going to, I don't know. Nobody knows how many days, years, how many hours you have left. So I'm going to go now and try some new things. So halfway through the book, I was determined that I was going to retire. Then I started to think a little bit about how Tom's identity was so much about his work and how in some ways he had not developed a new identity after being termed out of office. And I thought that may well be me. And I had a couple of stories that I wrote right after that where I felt so privileged to be able to drop into people's lives and and tell their stories and why would I want to stop doing that and so I began to take that turn um, as I approached my one-year deadline the self-imposed deadline and I went into my office and I said look I want to I want to keep doing this but not so much can I can I go hybrid can I cut back I'll take a pay cut keep doing what I'm doing um, but not um, not as many months of the year and they said okay So that's what I'm doing. Steve's new book is Independence Day, What I Learned About Retirement from Some Who've Done It and Some Who Never Will. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
And please don't quit. You're darn good at this. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.